Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome into the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the KIB podcast brought to you by Field Pass Hockey. Fieldpasshockey.com and the Field Pass Hockey mobile app is how you can keep up with everything you need to know about minor league hockey from the SPHL to the ECHL to the AHL. They have everything there for you. Blogs, columns, game recaps, live game broadcasts, photo galleries, so much that you can view and enjoy to keep up with your favorite minor league hockey team or your favorite players when they get called up or sent down through various leagues, when they get traded, when they go elsewhere, you can keep your finger on the pulse with Field Pass Hockey. Fieldpasshockey.com and the Field Pass Hockey mobile app available on the App Store and on Google Play devices. Knoxville gets a monster sweep over Roanoke. Knoxville took two games from the Rail Yard Dogs. They won another tight one at home. Stop me if you've heard that before, as those two teams have played so many competitive games. Going into Saturday's game, Knoxville had played Roanoke three times at home, and all three of those games either needed the final minute of regulation or overtime and beyond to pull out wins in those games. Saturday was a little bit of a different story. We'll get to that, but two really big wins for Knoxville. In addition to some other things happening around the rest of the league, the playoff field is starting to take shape. And now Knoxville has once again, set the stage for a one versus two matchup this Friday night at the Knoxville civic Coliseum. Huntsville is coming to town for video game night, Friday at seven 30 at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. Tickets are available by going to KnoxvilleIceBears.com or calling the ticket office at 525-7825. But once again, it's a one-versus-two matchup as Knoxville and Huntsville go head-to-head. So the Ice Bears got the weekend started with a big 5-4 to win over the Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs. And if you remember, at the beginning of February, Knoxville was playing three games in three days. They lost all three of those games when they lost on the road at Birmingham, lost at home to Huntsville, and then went to Roanoke for the first time this year and lost 5-1. to one. And so that was kind of that point where all right, Knoxville's lost three straight. They would then lose to Peoria five days later to make it a four-game skid. But that's when you really started to see Roanoke show what it's capable of because it had given Knoxville everything that it could handle and then some in the previous two meetings between those two teams and then kind of came out and dominated that game especially in the third period on that Sunday on February 5th. And so Knoxville having to play Roanoke twice in two days, this was a really chippy game. There were a ton of penalties, 66 combined penalty minutes. Knoxville ended up with 10 power play opportunities. Uh, one of them it, it technically never got. I mean, it was on the ice for a extended five on three, but it scored the game-winning goal with 42 seconds remaining and then really never needed that second stint of the five on three. And so it doesn't happen very often where you get a five on three power play, you score, and then you remain on the five on three. Uh, But that's what happened when Roanoke committed four penalties in the final two and a half minutes of the game. 
one of those was offsetting roughing minors, but you had Dylan Hill taking a boarding penalty at 1754. Travis Armstrong took a delay of game at 1818. And then at 1843, Brady Hepner jumped, uh, served the penalty for too many men on the ice after a skater jumped on with Roanoke trying to kill off a two-man advantage. Knoxville was able to score with 42 seconds late. Stefan Brucato uh, was able to find a loose puck after a rebound, flipped the backhand over Austin Rodebush. He said the following night, I didn't know the puck went in. I just saw it, got my backhand on it, and threw it on net. Had no idea I had scored until I saw everybody else celebrating. And he said it was kind of funny because Anthony McVeigh was in the scrap who got the first shot at it after Stepan Timofeyev threw the puck into the crease from the left circle. McVeigh tried to shoot. Rodebush made the save. McVeigh got taken out hard, and Brucato ended up getting the goal. So they kind of laughed about it, which is funny, but you know that's kind of the player that McVeigh is as well as in the end. He doesn't care. He wants the team win, and the whole team was pretty happy after that 5-4 win, and it was a game that went back and forth. Roanoke scored at the 226 mark of the first period, and then Jared Nash scored 56 min- uh, 55 minutes seconds later, and then Rasmus Wax and Engback scored another 40 seconds after that. So we had the first three goals of the game in a one minute and 35 second span, and then we didn't have any more goals for the rest of the first period. And then in the second period, Roanoke comes out, ties the game. Knoxville hits a couple of power play goals, and it looks like it's going to run away with it with a two-goal lead. And then Wojtek Zimlitska goes coast-to-coast and makes a nice wrist shot to cut the deficit in half. And then with Knoxville on the power play because of an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty by Rodebush at the end of the second period, Knoxville starts the third period on the power play but gives up a three-on-one, which leads to a shorthanded goal by Mac Jansen. And so then Roanoke has all the momentum. And before all these penalties escalated, Knoxville only had three shots on goal through the first 17 and a half minutes of the third period. They weren't generating offensive possessions. They weren't able to sustain possession in the attacking end, and they weren't getting opportunities to try to regain the lead. So Roanoke was playing with all the momentum, was controlling the puck a lot more Then all of these penalties take place. And suddenly Knoxville has a two-man advantage. They're living in the Roanoke end, and eventually they break through and are able to get that win in regulation so they keep Roanoke from grabbing a point. And then the following night, Knoxville gave up the first goal for the second night in a row. It came late in the first period. C.J. Stubbs got his own rebound and scored at the 17-32 mark of the first period. Stepan Timofeyev, my goodness, pulls off the Michigan just 19 seconds into the period, and we're tied at one through the majority of that second period. And, and Knoxville only had five shots on goal in the first period on Saturday and then only had five shots on goal uh, in the second period on Saturday, but they had four goals on those five shots. So you had Timo Feyev, and that was the only shot that Knoxville had for a while. Then Andrew Ballant scores a shorthanded goal on a breakaway and created so much space. He stole the puck at the point and just ran away from everybody. You know, we had these conversations recently with Ballant and his longtime teammate from college and juniors, Dino Balsamo, and I asked Dino, you know, what aspect of Andrew's game would you like to have for yourself? And he said his ability just to skate. He's he's such a rat out there. He's such a dog that he skates so hard and so fast all the time that his motor's always running. And it's something that I think any hockey player would like to have. Well, Ballant just ran away from everybody. There was never any point in time during that breakaway where he thought they might catch up to him. Ballant was going to have all the time in the world to shoot. Uh, Rodebush really didn't come out and challenge him. He kind of made himself small, I thought, and Ballant picked his spot 
on that right post and banked it in off the iron. And then Timo Feyev got his second goal about two minutes later where he made a man miss in the left circle, kind of got tripped up as he was shooting and beat Rodebush up high. And then J.B. Baker scored a minute after that. So Knoxville scored four goals on five shots in the second period, but they scored three goals about three and a half minutes apart to take this commanding four to one lead. And then Anthony McVeigh and Rasmus Wax and Engback scored a minute apart in the third period to give you the six, one score. And that was such an encouraging win because you've played tough against this team all year. You're, you're three, one and O against them going into your fifth matchup, but all three of your wins, you could make the argument that Roanoke kind of let Knoxville off the hook and, yeah, you know, granted the way that game was kind of developing in the third period, maybe Roanoke had the momentum. I thought Knoxville was the better team in the second, especially with the, their ability to take advantage of the power play. So a lot of confidence on special teams. Knoxville also did not give up a power play goal all weekend against the rail yard dogs. But Jeff Carr, Knoxville's head coach, said it before the two teams played on February 5th that Roanoke had outplayed Knoxville in every matchup that they had had so far and really let Knoxville get away with one, especially in that game back on October 30th when Stefan Brucato scored the two third-period goals and Alex Palmerville netted the overtime winner. But what happened on Saturday had to be so encouraging because, yes, Roanoke really controlled the pace of play for 20 minutes. They outshot Knoxville 10-5, to and... They were down one to nothing going into the second intermission, and then Knoxville made plays happen. So yes, you, you don't want to get outshot thirty to seventeen and have your opponent get five power play opportunities while you only get three on a nightly basis. That's not a recipe for success. You don't want to get doubled up in shots through the first forty minutes, or you're likely going to be playing from behind. But the reason that this particular game is kind of an anomaly is because look at the way that Knoxville scored. Timo Fayev pulls off the Michigan. He made something happen. He individually made a big play. And, you know, he got fed a nice pass from behind the net by Balsamo. But Timo Fayev decided, I have to take control of this situation and make something happen. Same thing with Andrew Ballant. My team's on the penalty kill. I'm going to pick this pass off at the blue line. I'm skating it down. I'm doing it myself. And, and not saying that, you know, Knoxville wasn't getting anything working with the team environment, but... When Roanoke is shutting a, t- a team down, you're being shut down by an opponent opponent to that a degree, and you're not able to get shots on goal. I think it's really encouraging the way that Knoxville had individual players step up and make big individual efforts to give the game back to the Ice Bears. So Timo Feyev pulls off the Michigan and makes that big play on his own. Andrew Ballant makes that big play on his own to bury a shorthanded breakaway. Timo Feyev, really good puck movement on the perimeter with Turner, Wax, and Engback, and Timo. But then Timo Feyev makes a big move in the left circle to get around a defenseman. And if he doesn't score, you know, it's possible he draws a penalty there. But Timo Feyev makes a great individual effort with a great individual shot. And then J.B. Baker, you know, kind of just fires one on net. And so you've you've scored three times on a goalie in a single period. Baker is shooting through traffic, a similar spot that he scored to against Macon the previous Thursday. Throws one on net. Rodebush gets a piece of it. Don't think he really saw the puck, and it squeaks between his glove and the short side post. And so at that point, you just feel like Roanoke doesn't have much fight. And after the first four periods of the weekend were insanely chippy between these two teams, Knoxville really took the bite out of Roanoke. And there wasn't much pushback there. You didn't see that same chippiness. It was a matter of, you know what? Knoxville was putting up great shots when it had the opportunity. And I think also with Timo's second goal, I know the first one is the goal that's getting all the attention. But with Timo's second goal, 
Knoxville had a couple of opportunities and it was trying to sustain this offensive possession. They held in a clearing attempt and you can kind of get the feeling from Knoxville that, hey, we, we only have seven or eight shots on goal. We haven't had many opportunities where we've been able to set up possession in the Roanoke end. We need to take advantage of this. And so I was really happy for Timo, especially because the previous weekend against Fayetteville, he had some really great scoring chances that he missed the target on. He, he didn't make a goalie make a save. He, he just missed. He had one from the slot that went high over the crossbar. He had another one from the hash that went wide. And so I was really happy to see Timo get those two goals, but especially that second one because he's in a really good, high-quality scoring zone. He's got space. He has a seam, and he made a move to get free, and then he was able to put it on target. So I was really happy to see Timo score a goal like that in addition to the Michigan, which is probably the best highlight that we've had in Knoxville all season long. Anthony McVeigh gets a really nice pass from Brady Florent on the end line. I think Florent was actually trying to make the wraparound. The puck slipped out to McVeigh at the left hash, and the puck ended up being right in front of McVeigh with an open net behind Dylan Hill, or Henry Dill, I should say, and McVeigh just buried it. And then Rasmus Waxen Engback kind of gets a gift. Dill appears to make a save. The puck squirts out between his pads and is sitting behind him, so plays never stopped. Waxen Engback was the only one who saw it, so probably the easiest goal that he's going to have all season and Knoxville wins 6-1. to one. So really happy to see Knoxville get a win in that fashion because I think it gives you a lot of confidence to beat a really good and really feisty team. And I know that Roanoke is you know, in that 6-7 spot right now fighting with Pensacola, and they've, you know, overall they've lost more games than they've won. That's a really talented Roanoke team that has some really good players. They've got guys that can score a lot. They have a high-scoring defenseman in Travis Armstrong. They were down a couple of D-men this weekend too, so... Keep that in mind. They just had to put Billy Vizzo on a season-ending IR. They, they didn't have Matt O'Day, who is one of the top goal-scoring defensemen in the league, but Armstrong's had a really good offensive campaign, and then Jeff Jones, C.J. Stubbs, and Mac Jansen have all been phenomenal for the Rail Yard Dogs this year, so it's a really talented team. And when Austin Rodebush is on, Knoxville fans know this better than anybody, when he's on, he's on. And the Ice Bears have also been on the wrong end of that when he had 41 saves back in Roanoke on February 5th. So, to go out and beat a team like that where you just feel like everything's going in the net. I mean, Knoxville scored six goals on 17 shots. That's a goal every three shots on goal. So to be able to have a performance like that, and again, you don't want to bank on scoring six goals on 17 shots the rest of the way, but it makes you feel like, hey, we've got confident shooters. We've got guys that can just go out and score goals. That's really encouraging for Knoxville, and I think it really sets the stage for what should be a fun atmosphere for video game night this Friday night at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum with Huntsville coming to town in a one-versus-two matchup. Again, that's the only home game for Knoxville this weekend. The Ice Bears will be on the road at Birmingham on Saturday night, so be sure to head to Union Place Bar and Grill for the road game watch party. Been a while since Knoxville's had one of those with having a five-game homestead that will conclude with the Huntsville game this Friday night. So we'll come back. We'll look around the rest of the league. We'll get you set for the upcoming weekend as well. Kind of go over some results from the weekend that have put Knoxville in a slightly better position from an odd standpoint than where it was at a week ago. So obviously the two wins help. Some results around the league have given Knoxville some assistance as well. I'm Joel Silverberg. You're listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey. In the slot, looking, shot, scores! Whoa, yes, an overtime game winner gives Knoxville a 3-2 win on the road. This presentation of Knoxville Ice Bears Hockey can also be heard while you're on the go via the Field Pass Hockey app. 
Read articles on your favorite team, view photo galleries, listen to live games and podcasts from across the AHL, ECHL, and SPHL by downloading the app, now available in the Google Play and Apple App Stores. Thank you again for checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey, fieldpasshockey.com. They are the go-to for your minor league hockey coverage, SPHL, ECHL, AHL. They've got it all. They've got beat writers for a variety of different teams, live game broadcasts, which you can hear on the Field Pass Hockey mobile app available on the App Store and on Google Play. They've got photo galleries, so many ways that you can keep up with your favorite teams and players in minor league hockey. So looking back at around the rest of the league, if we're going by a percentage standpoint, okay, technically, yes, Peoria still has the best point percentage in the SPHL. They have two games in hand over Knoxville, one game in hand over Huntsville, three points back of the Ice Bears, one point back of the Havoc, and they have a game coming up against the Vermilion County Bobcats on, or excuse me, they just played Vermilion County on Sunday, winning five to nothing. That was after they lost to the Bobcats on Friday in overtime. And they've got a game coming up against Roanoke, which I don't think will be too easy. They do get that game at home, but that's going to be one of two Thursday night games in the SPHL along with Pensacola and Macon. So be sure to kind of keep an eye on that because if Rodebush is starting a net for the Rail Yard Dogs, I know he did not have the game that he probably wanted against the Ice Bears on Saturday. But if Rodebush is on, it could be a fun goaltender duel, especially if you've got Eric Levine going in net for the Rivermen. So. Knoxville with a three-point lead, two games in hand for the Rivermen, and then Knoxville with a two-point lead with one game in hand in favor of Huntsville. So uh, Knoxville sitting in first place for the time being. Of course, Knoxville and Huntsville don't play again until they play each other on Friday night. Peoria could technically leapfrog Huntsville for second place by the time we get to Friday. We'll have to wait and see how that game plays out. And so a, a big weekend upcoming. And looking back at some of the results, Huntsville got... Two major points after they were on the brink against Pensacola. The Ice Flyers had a one nothing lead with about five minutes left to go in the game. Sign Nutkovich scored a shorthanded goal, and then Huntsville won it in overtime. So Huntsville not only saves a point, but gets two points back in what would have been somewhat significant if it loses that game because then you've got Peoria with a one-point lead for second place with a game in hand over the Havoc. Instead, Huntsville's able to fight back and takes advantage of Peoria having lost two straight before its win over Vermilion County on Sunday because with Vermilion County knocking off Peoria earlier in the week, Peoria then lost to Evansville. So it's just interesting to see how some of these results can really make a big difference now that we're getting into the final quarter of the regular season. So Knoxville has a big opportunity to really give itself a little bit of a cushion between Huntsville. Obviously, so much can change when you've got more than 10 games left to play, but a win for Knoxville, especially in regulation, means a four-point lead with Huntsville only having one game in hand over the Ice Bears. So Knoxville will take its seven-game point streak into a big game on Friday night. Peoria has a really tough game. I think it will be a tough game against Roanoke coming up on Thursday. and. And Friday, the Rivermen will host Roanoke on Friday as well uh, and then do it again on Sunday. So they're going to play three times in four days against the Rail Yard Dogs. And you know Roanoke's going to be hungry going into that matchup. So Knoxville in first place with 68 points. Huntsville in second place with 66 points. Peoria with 65 back in third place, though, with games in hand over Huntsville and Knoxville. Fayetteville has played 42 games this year. They leapfrog Quad City 
and, and clinched a playoff spot after taking two of three from the Storm this past weekend. And if you're one of those top three teams, that three-game series between Fayetteville and Quad City played out probably about as well as you could have hoped for because you've got two teams playing three games against each other. So somebody's taking a minimum of four points regardless, but nobody takes six points and none of the games went to overtime. So Quad City won on night one. Fayetteville won the next two nights, all games in regulation. So Fayetteville has 59 points, Quad City at 58 Fayetteville has played 42 games, so they have games in hand over Knoxville and Huntsville, but the Marksman six points back of Peoria with the same number of games played. Quad City is one point back of uh, Fayetteville. Fayetteville has two games in hand over Quad City. Then there's a bit of a drop-off. You have to go back 12 points for Pensacola sitting in sixth place. They have a three-point lead over Roanoke after Pensacola was able to come back and beat Birmingham uh, earlier in the weekend before getting a point against Huntsville. Roanoke, of course, two regulation losses to the Ice Bears. They sit in seventh place. Uh, Roanoke has lost eight of its last 10 games. Evansville has won its last two big wins, especially that win over Peoria. And at, at on the last episode of the podcast, we were looking at the standings. Evansville and Birmingham, same number of games played. Only a nine-point lead for Evansville with Birmingham having won six of its last ten, and including some recent wins over Knoxville, two wins over Huntsville. And then everything went totally wrong for Birmingham, both with the things that were within its control and that weren't. Birmingham blows a two-goal lead against Pensacola. Then it gets shut out by Macon the following night, whereas Evansville beats Peoria and picks up another one on the weekend as well. So, Evansville now with a 13-point lead with just 14 games to play for both teams. Uh, Again, Birmingham not mathematically eliminated, but if Evansville is starting to find its groove here after a really impressive win over Peoria, that it's going to be really difficult for Birmingham to be able to fight its way back. Macon is another 13 points back of Birmingham. Vermillion County picked up its fourth win of the season over Peoria with that overtime win, uh, just 13 points in the season, however. So, uh 30 points out of a playoff spot and just for Birmingham being 13 points out, it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle, but also now Roanoke and Evansville are actually tied for that final playoff spot. Roanoke has a game in hand over Evansville, but for the longest time with Roanoke getting hot and Pensacola starting to get some better results, it it looked like Roanoke was just kind of flatlining at that number eight spot and that it was going to be a foregone conclusion, but Evansville could technically catch up to Roanoke and, potentially pass them. And so it's not a foregone conclusion anymore. And so now you kind of have these different tiers that have formed out because of what's happened over the last couple of weeks. You've got, as it stands right now, you've got three teams that are realistically fighting for those top three spots. You have two teams in Fayetteville and Quad City that are fighting for the four and five seeds. And then you've got three teams that are fighting for seeds six through eight with Birmingham on the outside looking in and has a lot of work to do in a short amount of time. But it's not out of the question that Evansville could jump Roanoke, Pensacola, or both of them and maybe shuffle what a lot of us have thought was going to be the eight seed. And so let's see what happens with Evansville now that they've got points at six of their last 10 and have won two straight and have arguably picked up their most impressive win of the season by beating Peoria five to two. And man, if Roanoke falls to the eight seed, I don't know if it feels that good to be the number one seed in that situation. Obviously, these teams are flawed. Uh, you know, if you're the eight seed, you're the eight seed for a reason. But we've seen Roanoke sweep a number one seed before in the first round of the postseason, and it, it hasn't been that long since they did it. But with how good Roanoke can be at times, that would be a really tough one eight matchup. And 
it would be an impressive series to see whoever wins the William B. Coffey Trophy as the regular season title. And if Evansville is starting to play better, then means it's not necessarily a, a, a sleeper on the 7-8 matchup, potentially, if it comes down to that. So uh, you know, all of these teams have things that make them tick at the right time. Fayetteville is starting to play really good hockey. They've won eight of their last ten. Um, you know, one of those losses is to Knoxville. And I mean, Knoxville has two of Fayetteville's last three losses they're responsible for. And when Fayetteville beat Knoxville last weekend, it took overtime to do it. So, uh, you know, Fayetteville has been a really, really good team. I think it's been impressive the way that Knoxville has been able to find ways to have success against the marksmen. But Fayetteville is starting to tick at the right time. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks that I thought Fayetteville would eventually jump Quad City. They've finally done that and they have two games in hand over the storm. So games coming up this weekend as we get closer to a really big matchup between Knoxville and Huntsville. We actually start in the midweek. Quad City takes on Vermilion County on Tuesday night. And then on Thursday, you've got two games with Macon and Pensacola. And then Roanoke visiting Peoria for three games in four days. And then the Friday slate, Macon welcomes Fayetteville. Knoxville takes on Huntsville. Vermilion County gets Evansville. Roanoke gets Peoria. Birmingham takes on Pensacola. And then Saturday, you, you get some of those same matches, but we mix things up a little bit. Macon gets Fayetteville. Knoxville is in Birmingham. Vermilion County welcomes Huntsville. They'll actually play four games in a row after Huntsville takes on Knoxville. They'll play four games in a row over the course of two weekends. Quad City gets Evansville. And then on Sunday, Evansville uh, switches places and they finish up the back end of a home and home with Quad City. Peoria finishes up the series with Roanoke and Vermilion County and Huntsville face off again in Danville. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the of the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Again, brought to you by Field Pass Hockey, fieldpasshockey.com. Check out the Field Pass Hockey mobile app on the App Store and on Google Play. And be sure to hit that like, follow, or subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Leave a five-star rating and review and tell a hockey fan you know about the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. We will have coverage of Friday night's game for you on Hockey TV, SPHLTV.com, and MixLR.com slash Knoxville Ice Bears. Be sure to call 525-7825 to get your tickets for Knoxville and Huntsville this Friday night or go to KnoxvilleIceBears.com. My name is Joel Silverberg. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast presented by Field Pass Hockey.